ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له اشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدًا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم أما بعد يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها فبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سليلا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله واحسن هدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر امور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار ثم اما بعد Alhamdulillah, we continue after a very long break going over the third hadith from the 40th hadith of Imam al-Nawawi. And that is the hadith of Ibn Umar, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma, an Abdullah ibn Umar, رضي الله تعالى عنهما قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول بني الإسلام على خمسة شهادة أن لا إله إلا الله وأن محمدا عبده ورسوله وإقام الصلاة وإتاء الزكاة وحج البيت وصوم رمضان on the authority of Umar radiyallahu ta'ala, on the authority of Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma, who said that, I heard the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying that Islam is built upon five. Islam is built upon five. The testimony that nothing has the right to be worshipped in truth except Allah, and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then he is the slave and the messenger of Allah and the establishment of the prayer, the payment of the zakat, making pilgrimage to the house and fasting Ramadan. We had concluded with the second pillar and the second pillar then that is the establishment of the prayer. In the last class we have concluded with the second pillar. However, before getting into the third pillar, which is the established or the payment of charity, the payment of zakat, more yani, specifically, we just want to go over a very important issue because you'll find in all of these issues 
especially in here in this hadith, these are the arkan of Islam. These are the pillars of Islam. So it is, it is incumbent that every Muslim should know them inside and out. Every Muslim should know them inside and out. And in particular, those pillars that all of us are obligated to perform. Meaning, for example, the shahada and the salah and the fasting in Ramadan. You find that the vast majority of the Muslims, the vast majority of the Muslims, then they're able to do these three pillars from the pillars of Al-Islam. Of course, those who are sick with a perpetual, a perpetual sickness and so on and so forth, then that's something that is different uh, and the like. However, you will find that the vast majority of the Muslims, then they're able to fast in Ramadan, so they should know the rules and the regulations of fasting in Ramadan. But outside of that, as relates to the shahada and relates to the prayer, all of the Muslims are required to know inside and out. Naam. Because we all have the ability what to do the prayer. Naam. So we have to know the issues inside and out. When it comes to the shahada, then bila shakul wa bila raid, every Muslim has to know inside and out what is the meaning of la ilaha illallah. What are the pillars of la ilaha illallah? What are the uh, yani the shuruq? What are the prerequisites of la ilaha illallah? The conditions of la ilaha illallah? And likewise, what what is the muqtada la ilaha illallah? And, and what is necessitated by la ilaha illallah? Every Muslim has to know that inside and out. Bila shakwa bila raib. And with regard with regards to the salah that every Muslim may have to know what are the rules and the regulations of the prayer. What are the rules and regulations of the prayer? Which means that they have to know that which goes along with the prayer from the 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 pahara. Uh, they have to know the ahkam of pahara, the ahkam of wumu, how to make wumu, how to make wumu, so on and so forth. Because the pahara, uh, this is the mitah, this is the key of the prayer. So we have to know the ahkam of wumu, the ahkam of pahara and those issues that are related to it. However, when it comes to the salah, we want to, before, as we mentioned, before getting into the uh, next pillar, we want to mention the importance of the establishment of the prayer and not abandoning the prayer, or the danger in the abandonment of the prayer and how detrimental that is to an individual's Islam. Naam. salah وقد وردت أحاديث متعددة تدل على أن من تركها فقد خرج من الإسلام. When it comes to the establishment of the prayer, there has come numerous hadith, numerous narrations from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم that point to the fact that the one who abandons the prayer, then he has left Islam. The one who abandons the prayer, meaning the one who does not pray, the one who does not pray, ma'am, then he would have left an Islam. And what we mean by not praying, we mean he doesn't pray. Some of the ulama, the likes of Sheikh bin Baz, rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentions that if an individual leaves off one prayer intentionally, then he left Islam. One prayer. If he leaves off one prayer intentionally, he left Islam. So the idea that some Muslims have that I'm an okay Muslim because I pray three out of the five prayers, and this is 
an idea that is erroneous. Now, this is a very dangerous thing. There is no moderation when it comes to the prayer, meaning there is no this concept of, well, there are five prayers, so I'll pray 2.5 prayers and I'm a moderate yeah, with regards to the prayer. No, moderation when it comes to the prayer is to pray five times a day at least. That's moderation when it comes to the prayer. To pray five times a day at least. Man, the obligatory prayer. There's no room for an individual to abandon uh, the prayer. And you find this is consistent with the statement of Umar, Umar, that Khalifa, who was Rashid, that rightly guided uh, Khalifa, who the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told us to, يعني عليكم بالسنة والسنة الخلفاء الراشدين المهديين من بعيد. That is binding, wajib upon you, obligatory upon you, binding, mandatory upon you, to follow my sunnah. And the sunnah of the rightly guided khulafa after me. From those rightly guided khulafa, whom the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told us that we have to follow, from them is Umar, radiallahu ta'ala He was the second. Abu Bakr being the first. Umar being the second, Uthman being the third, and Ali being the fourth. Rabbi Allah Ta'ala and whom? May Allah Ta'ala be pleased with all of them. Umar, Rabbi Allah Ta'ala and we said, La hawwa fil Islam liman tarak al-salat. Umar, Rabbi Allah Ta'ala and we said, there is no portion of Islam for the person who has abandoned the prayer. There's no portion of Islam for the person who has abandoned the prayer. And a kulli hal, to Sahih Muslim, in Sahih Muslim, and Jabir, and in Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, called, Bain al-Rajul, wa bain al-Shirk, wal kufr tarku salat He said, the Prophet sallallahu he said, in a hadith that's been collected on the authority, or has been narrated on the authority of Jabir, radiyallahu ta'ala that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, there's, there's yani, uh, between a man, between a man and between polytheism and between disbelief is the abandonment of the prayer. It's the abandonment of the prayer. And as mentioned, this hadith has been collected by Imam Muslim. Murawa mithluhu min hadith Burayda wa Zawban والأنس وغيره and there has been narrated the likes from the hadith of Buraida and the hadith uh, يعني the hadith of Buraida for example is that well known hadith العقد الذي بيننا وبينهم الصلاة فمن تركها فقد كفر أخرجه الأحمد والترمذي والنسائي وابن ماجة وهو حديث صحيح the hadith of Buraida is the hadith that is the famous hadith that the covenant that is between us and them the covenant that is between us, meaning the Muslims, and them, the non-Muslims, is the prayer. So whoever has left the prayer, then verily he has disbelieved. Whoever has left the prayer, whoever has abandoned the prayer, but for the kafir, then he has disbelieved. And then verily, most definitely has disbelieved. And this hadith has been collected by Imam Ahmed, and Imam Al-Tirmidhi, and Imam Al-Nisa'i, and Imam Romaja, and the hadith is Sahih. Now, likewise, from the hadith of Thawban, with Anas, and other than them. Now, we'll see hadith Mu'ad, of the Allah, and in the hadith of Mu'ad, 
on the Prophet that the Prophet وسلم, he said, Rasul Amr, Al Islam, that the head of the affair is Islam and its pillar is the Salah. Its pillar is the Salah. فَجَعْلَ الصَّلَاةِ كَعْمُودِ الْفُسْطَاطِ So the Salah has been likened to the pillar of the Al-Fustaqa. Al-Fustaqa, it's a, what do you say? It's a type of tent. It's a type of tent that has a centralized pillar inside of it. It's a type of tent, a type of structure, tent. Uh, usually, in this case, the uh, the fusarqa uh, is made from like an animal skin. Now, it's an animal skin type of tent, but it has a centralized pillar inside of it. That if you remove this pillar from it, the whole tent collapses. If you remove this one pillar from it, the centralized pillar, then the whole tent falls down. Now, so the Prophet I said, he likened the prayer to the pillar that in this type of tent. That if it's removed, the whole tent will collapse upon itself. Now, which shows us the importance of the uh, of the uh, yani, uh, salah. It shows us the importance of the salah. Now, and likewise, we can understand from this that the abandonment of the prayer, the nam, individual Islam will, will collapse. It will, yani, he will leave Islam if he abandons the prayer. Because this type of tent, it will not stand erect except with the, except with the pillar. Now, except with the pillar. And if the pillar were to fall down, then this tent, it will collapse. If the pillar falls down, then this tent, it will collapse. So the Prophet ﷺ, he was very precise in his wording to show us the relationship of the prayer inside of Islam. And, and this is an advice to myself and to everyone who hears my voice, especially those of us who live here in the land of the Kuffar, that we have to remain steady and steadfast upon our prayer. That is not an option. That's not an option. We have to remain steadfast upon our prayer. Of course, everybody in the world, this is the case. Whether you live in Mecca or you live in Minnesota or you live in Medina, or you live in uh, wherever, Manhattan, huh? you have to be steady upon your prayer. But especially in these type of societies where the shaitan, he will come and give us a million excuses why, put up the prayer, don't pray, so on and so forth. Now, as they say, we live in a, a rat race type of society, the hustle and bustle, yeah? so it's busy, constantly moving, and so on and so forth. But despite that, we have not been put here to work. We have not been put on earth. Yeah, I need to run around working and punching a time clock for somebody. It's not what we've been putting on earth. No. We've been putting on earth to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I did not create the jinn nor the mankind except to worship me. Now I'm to establish their ibad. So when it comes to those aspects of work and working and, and, and seeking the halal provisions, then this falls into that which aids us into the establishment of the ibadah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a part of establishing the ibadah and fulfilling the rights uh, for those who have rights upon us, yeah, for the man to take care of his family and his children and so on and so forth and his relatives and the like, to spend in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the like. But this is a means, it's not a goal in itself. 
So we can never allow the need to become a hindrance in the establishment of the goal because then it's, not, it's no longer serving its purpose. If the purpose is a means, but then that means becomes a distraction by way in which you don't reach your goal, then you have to change something up because it's no longer it, a means is no longer functional because a means is that which helps you arrive at any uh, end result. It helps you attain what you're looking for. It's a road to where you're trying to go. But whenever that becomes a distraction and you get caught up on the road and you never go anywhere, then you have to change everything up. So we can never allow work for anything to get in our way, but we have to establish the prayer. And from the establishment of the prayer means that we have to come with the prerequisites of the prayer. For example, and those prerequisites are those things that are needed before you enter into the prayer in order for the prayer to be valid, in order for it to count. From those prerequisites is that we have to pray in its time. Now, so for example, now, we can't say, you know what, I'm feeling really energetic right now. I just had a big thing, of, yeah, I need coffee, whatever. So I'm going to pray Isha, and I'm going to pray Fajr, and I'm going to pray Zuhr for tomorrow. I'm going to pray Fajr for tomorrow, and Zuhr for tomorrow, and Asr for tomorrow, and get ahead of it. We can't do it like that. Why? Because because Fajr, well, first of all, Isha didn't come in yet, right, for today. Yeah, and then uh, as far as the yeah, well, still today, because it's today is already the next day. But you know what I mean, right? As far as that, the Fajr, Fajr didn't come yet. Ruhr didn't come yet. Asr didn't come yet. Now we have yeah, more than 12 hours for these things to, to, to come. So therefore, we can't pray before the time. And and if we were to pray, for example, Aisha right now, it won't count. We have to pray it again. Why? Because we didn't pray in this time, right? Right? Likewise. If we were to pray Zuhr now, we say, I'm praying Zuhr for tomorrow now, it won't count. Why? Because it's not in its time. So we have to pray in the time, otherwise the prayer doesn't count. Likewise, we have to have wudu. Having wudu, being in a state of ablution, we need it for the prayer. If you pray a prayer and you don't have wudu, the prayer doesn't count. It doesn't count. Why? Because you didn't have wudu. Likewise, we have to cover our aura. So for the man, the man has to cover his aura. He has to cover yani, his shoulders, right? He has to cover from yani, his, yani, his knees and his navel and so on and so forth. He has to dress properly. You understand? He has to dress properly. A man, he can't come and with no shirt and a little bit of shorts on and then pray and say he's praying like that, right? He can't do that. He has a loincloth on, no shirt, and he prays. It doesn't, doesn't count. Why? He didn't cover his aura. Likewise, for the woman, when they pray, they have to they have to adorn themselves with a khimar. They have to cover their hair. They have to wear their uh, the clothing that covers them, their bodies. Otherwise, what the prayer doesn't count. So the woman she prays and her hair is out, then the prayer doesn't count. Why? Because she didn't cover her outer. Now, also from that which has to be I mean, for the establishment of the uh, the prayer, the most prerequisite is that we have to remove any type of najasa that may be on our physical person or maybe on our uh, or our clothes, rather, then we have to re- remove this majasa and so on and so forth. All of these are from the prerequisites of the prayer and what is needed prior to entering into the prayer in order for the prayer to count. Likewise, the intention, the niyyah, naam, we need uh, in order for the prayer to count. If these things are missing, then the prayer does not count. Likewise, we have the arkan of the prayer, that which is needed and necessitated inside of the prayer, in order for the prayer to count, the likes of reciting Surah Al-Fatiha, the likes of Rukur, Sujood, to the end. Now, 
So these things are necessary in order for us to establish the prayer. And this is just a, a quick brief going over and a, and, a, and a brief mentioning, but no doubt these are affairs and these are issues that we have to study in depth and in detail and know about them so that we are able to establish the prayer. Why? Because leaving off the prayer is tremendous. Leaving off the prayer is a tremendous danger. Why? Because this is from those things that make a Muslim a Catholic. It's from those things that I make a Muslim, a Catholic. Naam. But Father Umar, as we mentioned before, Umar, he said, لا حوض في الإسلام لمن ترك الصلاة. There is no portion of Islam for the one who abandons the prayer. But Father Abdullah bin Shaqiq, and Abdullah bin Shaqiq, he said, كان أصحاب الرسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يرون من الأعمال شيئا تركه كفر غير الصلاة. He said that the companions of the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, they did not see the abandonment of any action to be disbelief other than the prayer. نعم أخرجه التنمذي وسناده الصحيح. نعم. It's important that we understand وذهب إلى هذا القول unto this statement. You had يعني جماعة من السلف والخلف that there were a number from the Salaf and from the Khalaf that went with this opinion. That there were a number from the Salaf and the, and the Khalaf that went with the opinion that the one who does not pray, he is a Kafir. The one who does not pray, he is not a Muslim. Naam. He says, وَهُوَ قَوْلٌ إِبْنِ مُبَارَكٌ This was the statement of Ibn Mubarak. Imam Ibn Mubarak. Imam Ahmed. Imam Ishaq. Naam. وَحَكَى Ishaq عليه إجماع أهل العلم. This was the, this was the position of Imam Ibn Mubarak and of Imam Ahmed and of Imam Ishaq. And Imam Ishaq, he mentioned, he said that this was a consensus of the people of knowledge. This was the consensus of the people of knowledge. That the one who has abandoned the prayer, then he's a Catholic. نعم. وقال محمد ابن نصر المروزي and Imam al-Marwazi, he said, هو قول جمهور أهل الحديث. He said, and this is the statement of the majority of the people of hadith. This is the statement of the majority of the people of hadith. That the one who does not pray, he is a Catholic. Now, so now we're speaking about just what? The prayer. Just the salat. وَذَهَبَ طَائِفَةٌ مِّنْهُمْ And a portion of them, they went with the opinion, إِلَا أَنَّ مَنْ تَرَكَ شَيْئًا من أركان الإسلام خمسة عمدا أنه كافر بذلك and there were a group of scholars who went with the opinion that if anyone leaves off if anyone intentionally leaves off anything from the five pillars of Islam then they are Catholic نعم so you had other imams that added on and said no if you leave off anyone in the five pillars of Islam then this person is a Catholic وهو and this was a statement that you find from Imam Ahmed. And a number of his companions, uh, meaning from the ulama of the Hanabila, they also went with this opinion. And this was a statement of Ibn Habib min al-Malikiyah. This was a statement of, of Imam Ibn Habib, who was the Imam and a prominent scholar from the Maliki Madhab. وعن أحمد 
riwayatun, and then you have also on Imam Ahmed a narration, anna tarqa salah wa kufrun, that the abandonment of the prayer and of the charity, specifically, then this was uh, disbelief, doing a siyam wal hajj, without fasting and without the pilgrimage. That if a person left off intentionally the payment of zakat and and, 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 and of prayer, then they will have become a kafir by that. We understand the severity of this, even with these different opinions that what? Is that leaving off anything from these five pillars is not an option. Anyone who is striving and preparing themselves to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, striving to get themselves ready uh, for the meeting of Allah in the next world, then leaving off any of these pillars is not an option. So now that brings us now to the zakat. That brings us to the zakat, the payment of the zakat. وَقَالَ Imam the Prophet said them, he said, Wa is zakat and the payment of zakat. Fadilat al Shaykh al Alama, Shaykh Salih al Fawdan, he said, Al Zakat Qareenatu Salah. He said the zakat it always comes coupled with the prayer. And this will help us better understand the other the other uh, opinion from uh, Imam Ahmed where he said that whoever leaves off the prayer and zakat specifically then they would have become a kafir. Because in the Quran you find that zakat and salah or salah and zakat, they come coupled. They always come together. Now, the majority of the time they come mentioned together. Uh, for example, as it comes in Allah Ta'ala's statement, فَإِن تَابُوا وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَاةِ وَآتُوا الزَّكَاةِ فَخَلُّوا سَبِيلَهُمْ And if they repent, if they repent, and they establish the prayer, and they pay the zakat, then leave alone their way. Then let them be, leave them alone. Naam. But you find that is what? If they establish the prayer and they pay the zakat, they come together, they pray the zakat. Allah Ta'ala also says, فَإِن تَابُوا وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَاةِ وَآتُوا الزَّكَاةِ فَإِخْوَانُكُمْ فِي الدِّينِ And if they repent, and they establish the prayer, and they pay the zakat, then they are your brothers in religion. Then they are your brothers in religion. So again, the salah and the zakat, they come together. Naam. وَقَالَ تَعَالَى اللَّهُ تَعَالَى says, وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينِ حُنَفَاءً وَيُقِيمُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَيُؤْتُوا الزَّكَاءَ وَذَلِكَ دِينُ الْقَيِّمَةِ Allah Ta'ala says, and they had not been commanded except to worship Allah alone, making all of the religions sincerely for Him as those who implement the Tawheed, and to establish the prayer, and to, and to pay the zakat, and that is the upright religion. Now, so again, we find the mission of the prayer and the mission of the uh, zakat together. Now, Zakat, it is a right that is binding. It is a right that is binding. Min amwal al-abhniya lil-fuqara. 
It is a right that is binding from the money of the rich to the poor, belong to the poor. Allah Ta'ala, he says, Allah Ta'ala, وَفِي أَمْوَالِهِمْ حَقٌ لِلسَّائِلِ وَالْمَحْرُومِ And inside of their money, meaning inside of the money of the rich believers, then there is a right for who? السَّائِل For those who ask, those poor people who ask for money, they ask for help, they ask for assistance. Naam? وَالْمَحْرُومِ The mahroom, they are the poor people who deserves the cap, but they don't ask. They don't ask about it. They don't ask for it, but they deserve it. So there is a portion of the money of the rich believers that is rightfully due to the poor people. Those who ask and those who don't ask, it's a right that belongs to them. So it is wajib. It is obligatory. It's mandatory. It is not a charity. In other words, and this is why Sometimes they, you know, uh, well, all the time, I believe, they translate the word zakat as charity, naam, as, as, as charity. But it's more than just a charity because this is that which is mandatory. It's mandatory. It's not like a person who gives sadaqah yom mujumu'ah, right, or he gives, he gives some, some sadaqah, uh, and then he says, okay, I'm paying zakat. No, that's not zakat. That's just paying sadaqah. That's just giving sadaqah, giving some, some charitable funds away and so on and so forth. But this is not the zakat. The zakat is very specific. That 2.5% uh, of the money that after it reaches the level of the nisab, after it sits for one year, 2.5% of that money has to be given. Why? Because if you have enough money that your money reaches the nisab, right, reaches the nisab, and then a year goes by and that money is not touched, then 2.5% of that money does not belong to you. It's not yours. Not yours. It belongs to the poor people those who ask for it, and those who don't ask for it. That money, it belongs to them. It's theirs. So you have to give them that money. It's fertile one. It's wedged that you give them that money because it's not yours. Ma'am, that wealth that Allah Ta'ala has given you, he has made a portion of that, belongs to the poor people. You have to give it to them. So it's not like yeah, any person, yeah, he's feeling charitable, so he gives them charity. And that. Listen, you have no choice in that. You have to give it. It's not yours. This zakat, it is wajib, it's mandatory, it's mandatory. وَرُقْنُنْ مِنْ أَرْكَانِ islam It's mandatory and it's a pillar from the pillars of Al-Islam. It's a pillar from the pillar, from the pillars of Al-Islam. وَهِيَ قَيْنَةُ الصَّلَاةِ And it is, يعني it always comes connected to the prayer. It comes connected to the prayer. فَالَّذِي, Shaykh Fawzani says, فَالَّذِي يُصَلِّ وَلَا يُزَكِّي so whoever prays but he does not give charity, then he would have abandoned a pillar from the pillars of Al-Islam. Now, Shaykh Fawzan, he brings some detail now so we can better understand the statement of the, the, the ulama of the past, those who say that whoever, yani, they leave off any of the five pillars. What do they mean by leave off the five pillars? Any one of the five pillars to give us some better understanding. Because this is true for all of the five pillars. For in Kana Jahidan Jahidan the Wujud is Zakat This is with all of the five pillars. Whoever is abstinent, he abstinently opposes the obligation of Zakat, and he is a disbeliever. 
there's no difference of opinion as it relates to that. Whoever says the cat is not buying it, it's not mandatory. But rather, if I want to pay it, I pay. If I don't, then I don't have to. But it's not binding to pay the cat. Whoever says that, then he is a disbeliever. Like the person who says, it's not binding to pray. It's better to pray. It's good to pray. You pray if you want to pray. But if you don't pray, that's okay. No, that person is a Catholic because Allah has made it wajib. Likewise, with fasting in Ramadan. Someone says you don't got to fast in Ramadan. Right? It's better. But you don't have to. It's not wajib. That person is a Catholic. Likewise, the, 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 the pilgrimage. This is because they will be belying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they will be belying the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who mandated and told us that it is mandatory, it is obligatory that we do these five pillars. It is obligatory that we do the five pillars. Ma'am, when it comes to the soul and zakah and hajj, then the obligation will be relative with regards to the capability of the individual, meaning that what? That the zakat, just so we understand a little better, the zakat is wajib binding upon the Muslim who is rich enough to have to pay the zakat. So for the poor people who their money never reaches the minimal requirement, right, then it's not binding upon them because they're too poor to pay it. That make sense? It's binding upon those who can afford to pay it and the money has sat for one year untouched on that money that has reached that minimum amount. Then they have to pay it, the rich. But as far as the poor people, it's not mandatory on the poor people to pay this. They can't. Why? Because they can't afford it. But rather, it's their right to receive the zakat. And it shows you the justice in El-Islam. The justice in El-Islam. Not like the West. See, here in the West, you find what? the poor people end up paying a larger percentage of their income to taxes than the rich people. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's because, you know, because the laws in the West are based upon kufr, they're based upon man-made stuff. So there's no justice in that. But Islam is just. For the poor people who can't afford to pay, then it's not mandatory that they pay, but rather they receive. But for the rich person who, can, who could afford to pay, then he has to pay. Now, and what is that, hem? All he has to pay is the 2.5%. Uh, and it's like uh, the Fadilat al-Shaykh, the Allama, Shaykh Abdul Muhsin, al-Abbad. He says, وَهِيَ ibada مَالِيَةً That the zakah is an ibadah that's financial. It's an ibadah that's connected to money. It's a worship that's connected to money. Now, وَنَفْعُهَا مُتَعَدٍ And its benefit is many. This benefit is many. وَقَدْ أَوْجَبَهَا وَقَدْ أَوْجَبَهَا اللَّهِ فِي أَمْوَالِ الْأَغْنِيَاءِ And Allah Ta'ala, He has made it binding upon the rich, upon the money and the wealth of the rich. عَلَى وَجْهِ يَنْفَعُوا الْفُقَرَاءِ From the standpoint of benefiting the poor. نعم. It benefits who? It benefits the poor. وَلَا يَضُرُّوا الْغَنِيَّ he said, it's something that it benefits the poor, but it does not hurt the rich. Why? Because it's only a small amount that they have to give from a lot of money. 
is only a small amount that they have to give from a lot of money. 2.5% is not a lot. It's a small amount from a lot of money. So it is something that is very easy for the poor people to pay. It does not hurt them. And it's a great benefit. Excuse me. It's something that's very easy for the rich people to pay. Excuse me, for the rich people to pay. It does not hurt them. Uh, and it and is very beneficial for the poor people. It is very beneficial for the poor people, ma'am. And it shows you the the, the the justice and the superiority of the religion of Islam. So the poor people are benefited and the rich people are not hurt. The poor people are benefited and the rich people are not hurt. As, as, uh, unlike the situation that exists here in the West, where you find that what the poor people... They, 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 they are hurt and they are put at a disadvantage and the rich just keep getting richer. The rich just keep getting tax breaks and getting that break and that break and then the poor man can't even afford to get his tooth pulled out if it got a cavity in it. You understand? You see? You see how this society is here? Allah Musta'an. Ala kulli hal. Sheikh Fawzan, he goes, so he mentions, he says that whoever he Absolutely, absolutely fights against and opposes the obligation of the zakat, then he's a kafir. Now, however, if he understands and he acknowledges uh, he acknowledges his obligation, but he doesn't give it because he's stingy. He's a miser, he's stingy. Right? Then this one, then the Muslim ruler will take will take the money from him with force. He will garnish it from him. He take it from him. You don't want to give the zakat. The man is saying he, he's stingy. He don't want to give it. Right? Then, then it's the right. Then it's upon the ruler to do what? To take it from him forcefully. To have to have uh, the officials look at the man's wealth. Look at what has sat. And, and the money that the zakat is taken from him, they take 2.5% of that wealth from him by force and give it to the poor people. Because this is a right that is binding upon him. It's just like the, the ruler has the right to forcefully take from an individual's wages to pay off his debts for those people who refuse to settle their debts. Those people who refuse to settle their debts, it's the right of the ruler to forcefully take from his wealth that which will settle his debt. Even though he don't want, even though he don't want to settle the debts and that, then the ruler will forcefully take it from his from his wealth, garnish it from his wealth to settle his debts. So if it is, so if it is the right for the judge. And yet, Khuda min malihi, when you said, Dida do you now, min wayde idnihi, women, 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 So if it is for the, the judge to forcefully take from his money to pay off his debt, then uh, even without his permission and without him being pleased about that, there's really no doubt the cat takes more precedence. The cat takes more precedence than the paying back of the debt. Why? Because zakat is from the pillars of al-Islam. Zakat is from the pillars of al-Islam. 
because this is the right of Allah Azza wa Jal. وَلِذَلِكَ قَاتَلَ أَبُوْ بَكَرَ الصُّدِّيقَ And for this reason, Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, remember, he's from one of the Khulafa al-Rashidun. He was the first one. Naam, he's the Khalifa of the Rasul, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, he fought against al-lazina mal'u al-zakaa. He fought against those people who refused to pay the zakaa. They refused to pay the zakaa. So Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, he fought against them and he forcefully uh, to take the zakat from them and give it to the poor people. And it shows you the extent that uh, the deen of al-Islam places upon helping out the poor people and aiding the poor people. Is that if we have to, the ruler, uh, meaning if the ruler has to go to war with people or has to forcefully fight people to take the, the, the money from them, then they'll fight them and take the money for them. Why? To give it to the poor people. Not that the ruler takes the money from them and then keeps it. No, he takes it from them in order to give to the poor people, in order to give it to those people who are poor. You see, this is the, it shows you, this again, the superiority of the deen of al-Islam. It shows you the superiority of the deen of al-Islam. And now the deen of al-Islam is the most complete way of life. Now, it's a complete way of life. As Allah Ta'ala says, and On this day, I have affected for your religion and completed my favor upon you. And I'm pleased that you have Islam as your religion. So Islam is a perfect way of life. Islam calls to everything that is good, wholesome, and uh, and, uh, and that. And from that is the taking care of the poor people. From that is the taking care of the poor people and helping out the poor people. Now, alhamdulillah. So we look at now what the world needs. The world needs Islam. We have the refugee crisis in Europe. You understand? You got, you got the European nations and them closing their borders off, erecting fences, arresting people, charging them with felonies, and so on and so forth, because they're, they're, they're fleeing war. They're refugees. They're, they're, they're people who are uh, uh, seeking asylum. They don't have any, 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 any status because their countries are war-torn and so on and so forth. People are poor and the like. They're in a state of, 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 of uh, catastrophe in the net. And you've got the kufar, what, turning their back, setting up this, setting up that, making it hard, so on and so forth. But then if you look to the land of the Muslims, you'll find that the Muslims for years have been taking care of the refugees. For years have been setting up camps, taking care of the refugees, and spending a lot of money on the refugees. To their ability, every country has its ability of what it can and can't do, what it can support and what it can't support, and so on and so forth. But you find that the Muslims, they have been striving very hard and very diligently to take care of the refugees and to spend very much upon them. But you're not going to hear about that on close. They're not going to give. They're not going to say that. You understand? They're going to make it seem like the Muslims aren't doing anything for the refugees, whereas the Muslims have been doing a lot for the refugees, and in particular, uh, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. They have been doing a lot for the refugees for many years. Likewise, Jordan, the kingdom of Jordan, has been doing a lot for the refugees for many years, and so on and so forth. And so on and so forth. But they're not going to tell you about that. But this is the reality. Why? Because this is from what the deen of al-Islam mandates upon us, to look out for the poor, to take care of the poor and those who are in need, uh, and to make sure that uh, we take care of them and give them what they what they need. We have to understand that we should remember this as Muslims. And we should strive to work towards these ends, to make sure that we are those who are constantly giving, 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 and not to be from those 
the lonely ones who are always asking, asking, asking. You understand? Because you find some places where, Iyadhubillah, they have forgotten the reality and the spirit of this. That we should be those who are giving. Looking to, to, to give to the poor, looking to take care of the poor, clothe them, feed them, so on and so forth. Making sure that zakat reaches them, so on and so forth. You have communities where, Iyadhubillah, especially from, from Ahl al-Bid'ah, where they take the zakat money that's very specific and is designated for a specific group of people. They take the zakat money and they spend it on the masjid. You can't spend zakat money on the masjid. That's not from those who receive zakat money. It goes to the poor people, those who are poverty, so on and so forth. It's very specific where that money goes to. But they'll collect it, then they use it to pay bills, pay salaries, and all this type of stuff. This is, this is not correct. It's haram. It's haram. Man. Or people who always asking, asking, asking. Every time they go to the masjid, they're asking for this, asking for that. Raise money for this. Give us money for that. We need money for phone covers. We need money for tablet covers. We need money for tablets, for microphones, for computer systems. We need... Yeah, send that. I mean, just begging. Begging for what? You seriously asking people, you know, they begging all the time? You should be giving. You should be coming to have it giving, not asking. You understand? Let alone begging. SubhanAllah. We should remember this, that we should be trying to benefit those who are around us from those Muslims who are in need. We should make sure that their needs are taken care of. Now, we should spend. We should spend upon the people. We should spend upon the people as much as we possibly can to make sure their needs are taken care of. So the Muslims are not needed for nothing. And likewise, we should spend upon even the kuffar. Give them gifts and presents and financially and so on and so forth. What? To show them, to show them the, uh, uh, the, 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 the true nature of Islam. To show them the true nature of Islam. Now, feeding them and clothing them and so on and so forth. We shouldn't let no church and no, no, no debt be beating us. We shouldn't let no church, no charitable organization, no Red Cross, no whatever be beating us. You understand? We have more right to spend upon the poor people. Because you see, when they spend upon the people, is not for, yeah, I mean, trying to bring them to the correct aqeed and trying to bring them to the worship of Allah and Allah alone. They spend upon them because they want to bring them into kufr and shirk. They spend upon them to bring them into kufr and shirk. Just like, just recently, maybe a few weeks ago, they were caught, yeah, I mean, the, uh, uh, the kufar. They said they went to refugee camps to give help, to get aid, right? They gave a little bit of money, but then they had boxes full of literature and pamphlets calling people to shirk and to worship uh, Asa. Alhamdulillah, that plot was spoiled. It was exposed. That literature was confiscated and destroyed. But this is what this was their end. This was their end. You understand? This was their end. So we should always be uh, mindful to take care of our own. We should always be mindful to take care of our own. Not let them come in. We don't need nothing from them. But on top of that, even help the poor and the needy from them too. Take care of my own and help the poor needy from them too. But the, but the likes of this, it requires men. It requires men who carry the da'wah, not men who are looking to be carried by the da'wah. You understand the difference? Men who carry the da'wah, not men who are looking to be carried by the da'wah. You find a lot of people like that, looking to be carried by the da'wah. They want to eat off the da'wah. It's not the way the NBA and the Muslim. They didn't eat off of the da'wah. No. 
No, not at all. This is not correct. So be mindful and beware of these things. And keep these things in mind, inshallah, all the time. But yeah. Abu Bakr is complaining, we fought against these people who didn't want to pay the zakah لِأَنَّهُ مَنِعُ حَقًّا وَاجِبًا عَلَيْهِمْ لِغَيْرِهِمْ he fought against them because they prevented a right that was binding upon them that they give to other than them. You understand? They fought against them. They didn't want to give the zakat. Why? They didn't want to give the zakat out of saviness, miserliness, whatever the case may be. Not understanding, misunderstanding. Ah, to the end of it. But he fought against them. Why? To take that, which is a right that they had to give, to other than them. They had to give it to who? To the poor people. The poor people had to get their rights, so he forcefully took it from them. The zakat, even sha'nuha azimun. So the zakat, its status is tremendous. The zakat, its status and its level and, 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 and the affair of the uh, zakat, then undoubtedly it is a tremendous Affair. Next, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Ramadan. Well, actually, next, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and making pilgrimage to the house. And he brought that before the mentioning of fasting in Ramadan. Ma'am. In the other narrations, or in another narration, or other mention of the five pillars, where the Prophet Sallallahu he mentioned, Fasting of Ramadan before Hajj. Now, fasting of Ramadan before Hajj. So, what is the benefit in mentioning the Hajj before fasting in Ramadan in this particular narration? Now, what is the benefit in mentioning Hajj pilgrimage before fasting in Ramadan? The ulama they explain. The ulama they explain that the, the the wisdom behind this, they said is that because the worship or these five pillars, they are different types. They're different types of worship. They said the shahada, or everyone to know this well, and inshallah ta'ala, this is the point that we'll end on uh, for this class. The shahada, it is the ibadah that consists of a nutq bin lisan. It's an articulation of the tongue and a belief in the heart. Because the shahad is saying, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu rasul. It's to say, I testify and bear witness that nothing has the right to be versioned in truth except Allah. And I testify and bear witness that Muhammad is the messenger, is the slave, the messenger of Allah. Now, that's a shahad. So you say it with our tongue and believe it in our heart. You with me? So it's a, it's a ibadah that we say on our tongue and we believe it in our heart. Right? And the prayer is an action that consists of what? It's, it's, it's a limb-based action. Or it's a limb-based, yani ibadah. It's a ibadah badaniya. It's a ibadah badaniya. It's, it's, it's an ibadah that you do basically with your limb. Whether that limb is the limb of your tongue, because you, you say stuff, right? Or, yani, or your physical limb, your limb's limbs. You understand? But it's, but it's the ibadah that deals with your limbs. Right. 
And the zakat is a worship that deals with finances, deals with money. Because with the zakat, what do we do? We pay money. Now we pay money. So it's a financial worship. So now we have oh, we have a, a, a action or a, a limb-based worship, and we have a financial worship. Hedge is brought before Ramadan in this narration. Why? Because Hedge is different. So now we're mentioning all types of, 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 of ibadah that are different in their nature. So it only makes sense to, 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 not, to not mention something or, or yeah, to repeat something that's already connected to another category, but to bring a new category since we're going through the categories. So the, so the only logical order could be is to mention Hajj now because a Salah is, deals with the, the limbs. Zakat deals with the money, right? Hajj deals with the limbs and the money because for Hajj, you have to use your limbs, use your body parts, right, when you make Hajj, and it's a financial-based ibadah because you have to pay money to go there. You have to take care of yourself when you're there to pay for your family when you're leaving your wake and so on and so forth. So it is, it is a worship that consists of the body and consists of the limbs. Oh, I need the limbs and of the money financially. So it is a financial worship and a limb-based worship. That makes sense? So we have a worship yeah, that, 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 that is an articulation and a belief in the heart. Then you have a worship that is a, that is, that is a body-based worship. Then you have a worship that is financial-based worship. So the next thing you mention is a new category, and that is a worship that is a body-based and financial worship, which is the hajj. And when it comes to Ramadan, fasting and Ramadan, then this is ibadah badaniya. Fasting and Ramadan is like what? It's like, the, it's like, it's like salah. It's ibadah badaniya. Is that what you do with your body? And this is why it's brought last, because we bring in new, new category, new category, new category, new category for the fourth. Huh? And then... What has to be repeated, you can leave it for the fifth because it is pointing back to a previous mission category, which is like what? So salat, because it's badaniya. Ma'am? So that's why uh, the fasting of Ramadan was put to the end of this particular hadith and fasting was, and, 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 and pilgrimage to the house was brought first because you cover all different categories then you, then you leave for the end a category that was already previously mentioned. That makes sense? And this is what the Urnana, they mentioned why is the wisdom in bringing the mention of pilgrimage to the house before uh, fasting in the month of Ramadan. However, inshallah ta'ala, the next class we pick up, we will pick up with the standard order. So we will speak about the fasting of Ramadan, and they will move on to the pilgrimage of the house. But we'll leave that uh, to the next class, uh, until next you meet, inshallah ta'ala. أتفي بهذا القدر وصلى الله وسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين